You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Nada the Scribe, and at Walker Mail. Nada, how was your football weekend? Were you as enthralled with everything, um, with all the football games as most people were, finally getting a taste of some NFL action as well as some college football? You know, I was okay with the football action. The only thing I wasn't okay with was that I called somebody twice this weekend, and apparently my phone number registers as spam. What kind of world (laughs) is this, Walker? What kind of world is this? I'm going to blame that on my phone for – I'm going to blame it on me for dropping my phone and now needing to get a new one pretty desperately after me dropping it. I think it was Friday night. Um, And, yeah, I apologize. Look, Nada, you've hit me up a couple times, and when you called me – it only showed up as spam. Realized you called me because um, you told me this as soon as we were about to hop on, and then I had to look at my missed messages or missed calls. And yes, it did show up as spam alert. Like they are here. That my phone is treating you like a telemarketer, and I apologize for that. Yes, yes. See, this is the thing, Walker. This is how you do me all the time on this podcast. I get treated like the spam alert. I again. There goes Nada, crazy man yelling at Cloud, which we're going to do more of today. Please believe there's going to be a lot more old man yells at Cloud. And I prom again, I apologize for this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it seems like you're really frustrated. Look, I apologize, Nada. Um, I will get everything fixed, if nothing else, um, just because I need my phone for other things. But just so I can recognize your phone number on my phone and hopefully everything can get fixed on that front. As you do know, we also have some other things to get to regarding the Sam Vecini piece on The Athletic because it was so long. I feel like we've been talking about this a lot, but it was extremely dense and we needed to take care of a lot of it. Let's get to some of the evaluation that he has on the starters, the guy that he kind of splits up into tiers. One tier being the young, interesting guys with value who look like starters long term. Another tier that he has is who else on the roster could be relevant long term. And then finally, he gets to... Um, you know, if I th- actually, that's it. I think it's just those two guys. And then yeah. um, he kind of goes deeper into, you know, the Martin twins kind of going down the list there on the roster. So just a couple of tiers here. But first, let's start with the, uh, the, the first category that he has there. Nada. It's the young, interesting guys with value who look like starters long term. He mentions Devontae Graham. He mm-hmm. mentions PJ Washington. And he mentions Miles Bridges. Those are basically in the top tier when you evaluate the Hornets roster. Now, before we dive into what he has to say about these players, would these be the three players that you would put in the young, interesting guys with value who look like starters long term? Would you put somebody on the outside looking in? Is there somebody you would include on this? What did you think of Devontae, PJ and Miles being the three that he puts in the top tier? Well, honestly, I, I again, I understand putting the three there. Whether they're starters long-term for the Charlotte Hornets is where I kind of disagree. I don't think Miles belongs on this list. I think, like we've said, there's going to be that point where you are going to, at like, there's a part of me that really does believe that Miles is not long for this franchise. And whether or not it's a, again, if it's this year or next year or before his contract is up, He's not going to be here. So unless 
there's something different that's coming. Like, I, I understand why we put Miles on this list. I just don't see him being here long term just because, again, him and PJ play the same spot. And we're not sure that PJ can play the center just yet. And I think that's the only thing that's stopping me from saying, okay, he belongs on this list. That's the only thing that stops me from saying that, basically. I would I would agree with you. I would say that Miles Bridges does not belong with those guys. If you were to talk about the pieces that have the most trade value, the pieces that other teams would look at based on our roster and want for their own roster, it would be Devontae Graham that would entice them, and it would be P.J. Washington that would entice them the most. I think depending on how you view each of those guys, I think those would be the two guys that would be the most attractive. I don't think Miles Bridges is in that space with them. If we were to really divide this up, maybe into a little bit more specific tiers than what Vicini does, it would be PJ and Devante number one. And then it would be Miles Bridges in that next one. You know, we talked about our locked in starters for next year. I think Devante is there. I think PJ Washington is there. Me and you, I think it, I understand why you might be hesitant to say it, but I do think Miles Bridges is still locked in as a starter. I feel very comfortable with that. So I would even put him in that category. But as far as pieces that I think are absolutely going to work out in some way, shape, or form, I just don't know if Miles Bridges is there. Here's what Vicini has to say about Miles and why he includes him here. He does say that, quote, Miles Bridges has been the toughest evaluation of this trio. He says on the plus side, he really did explore the boundaries of his game last season. He stepped out of his comfort zone often and tried to act as a playmaker and creator, particularly when he got out into transition. He did even show the occasional flash as a ball handler this year in the half court. He would go into some other things as to why there are some positives that, um, you know, he took about 18, excuse me, not 18. He took about 1.8 threes per game from the corner this season, hitting 37% of them. He took about 2.8 above the break threes per game, only making 31.4% uh, of them. And he also said beyond that, Bridges defense is also hit or miss. He does mention that Miles Bridges does have a very tough assignment every single contest. And so I can imagine how getting the best player out there on the perimeter, it would certainly hurt the other numbers elsewhere because so much attention is on at least limiting your LeBron James's, your Kawhi Leonard's, or really any of the other players that he has to take on as that responsibility. But not to me. I think the biggest thing I want to see from Miles this year, I do want to see the team defense take quite a bit of a uh, big jump this season. I also want the three-point shot to be a lot more consistent and the, the passing ability, even if it's not off of the dribble, because I don't have much faith or other guys on, on this team or in the NBA, whatever his role is. But Miles needs to become at least a 36% three-point shooter. Like that's what I want that's for fun. Miles when, and, and I want him to, you know, be a little bit more aggressive attacking the glass and actually doing a good job at finishing in transition and, and, and actually maybe not in transition, just I want him to go dunk on people. Like you can't be <laughs> one of these solid, his body is strong. And we know that he's one of the most athletic guys as far as high risers go in the NBA. And I just don't see him, you know, act like a monster and just dunk all over you. There were some post-ups where we saw him actually be really effective in that part of his game this year. But I just want to see more. I'm a man. There's nothing you can do. I'm going to drive to the hoop and then I'm going to dunk it on you. And I don't think we saw that. And going to give me that, then you got to be able to knock the shot down a little bit more consistently than you did. And he didn't do that. So look, I'm not completely out on Miles ever being an effective starter. I think I am out on him having this huge ceiling in the NBA, which I never really believed in in the first place when they did draft him. 
But it doesn't mean that I'm out on him being a legitimate starter for a possible playoff contender. But there's no doubt he needs to take a jump this season in order for me to, um, you know, change my mind on where he's uh, progressing or not progressing right now. Yeah, I kind of understand that. And there's, there's a couple things that, like that you that you said that I want to touch on. First, if I'm honest, the tears of the only untouchable on this roster for me is PJ Washington right now. He's the only guy I feel solid saying, okay, this guy is going to go nowhere. He's probably the only guy that has no, like they're not trading him for much. Devontae is going to take a lot, but they, I can see, still see him getting moved. Um, When it comes to Miles Bridges and what I want to see, like uh, the above the break three is the thing that I specifically that I want to see him hit better. And again, the corner three, especially that left corner, he was basically very reliable from hitting from there. But I'd love to see him hit that above the break three. I would love to see him, like you like you said, finish more, finish better. Because like you said, there was a lot of this that just could have been so much better. And like I, I just imagine what he what his numbers look like if he finishes if he just finishes better. Yeah. That's and- that's, that's just the thing. I just want him to finish better. Well, and and so so for me with Miles Bridges, you know, it's it's again when we're talking anybody that I would you know be looking out there on the trade market for right now you know like I'm not actively shopping him you know I'd, I'm always going to enter uh, I'm always going to listen to offers if anybody calls in and they really want miles but it's not somebody I'm actively shopping he's still a first round pick he's shown you enough I actually think if we were if we were going based off of expectations heading into his rookie year and heading into his sophomore year I actually pleasantly surprised with what he gave us his rookie season. I think having barely played above my expectations enough for me to give him credit for doing so still having my doubts, but thought, you know, he played well enough. Then this past season, I just thought for the most part, besides maybe a month of play, there was one month where, you know, he was one of the best Hornets on the team. And then it just went away after that. And it wasn't even really all that much there at the beginning of the season for him. But as, as far as did he play up to my expectations this season, I would absolutely say no to that. I would say it was more disappointing than it was hopeful. And hopefully he can buck that trend. Hopefully that can come back his way next season. But I would agree with you. I think Miles Bridges is the only guy that would be on the outside looking in. Maybe we can talk about some of the things as to why you should put P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham in there a little bit more as um, it pertains to Sam Vecini's opinion. First, I want to thank our sponsors, as always, for being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and that's no different than uh, that's no different for Roman. Look, talking about erectile dysfunction, it's not easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, giving you some Austin Powers excuses. Or we can just avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, Yada, yada. Sorry, honey. I'm just not feeling it. You guys know the excuses. It is what it is. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's completely 100% discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate. Roman will ship it to you also with a free two-day shipping, uh, with free two-day shipping too. So the whole process, it's straightforward, it's simple, and again, 100% discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash XXX and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman to help you out. You can complete an online visit today 
to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. And if you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's all one word, LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. We'll talk a little bit more about the tiers that Sam Bassini has, the different player evaluation that he mentions in his athletic article next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Now, let's not spend too much time on the other two guys he has here because I think everybody knows PJ, Devontae, those guys are among the two that it would take the most in order to get in any kind of trade. But some of the things that he has to say about Devontae Graham, we've talked about, he needs to finish better at the rim. You talk about finishing better at the rim. It's probably more, um, and it probably pertains more to Devontae Graham who wasn't very good. In fact, he was one of the worst finishers at the rim in all of the NBA. The shooting is legitimately there, but he only shot 40.3% of his shots at the rim in half-court settings, according to Synergy, as mentioned by Sam Bassini. The 179 players to take at least 110 such shots at the rim, Graham finished 179th, so dead last. Among the 79 players to take at least 50 runners or floaters this year, Graham finished 72nd, hitting just 32.3%. So basically, just to simplify all of this, not a Devontae Graham has to be better inside the three-point line, at least when it comes to the shooting. Decision-making, Sam Bassini even flirts with the word elite when it comes to Devontae Graham's decision-making, having posted close to a three-to-one uh, three assist-to-turnover ratio. That's something I believe you and I talked about even in Devontae's rookie season. His decision-making, his passing ability, I think was on full display. He's already one of the best passers in the NBA and decision-makers. So that's not anything that he needs to fix. What he needs to work on to take him to the next level, it's all about finishing inside the three-point line so they don't run him off all the time like they're trying to do. And it worked in the second half of the season. He needs to have a counter. And if he develops that, then Devontae Graham can be a long-term point guard that you can continue to feel good about. It's funny that you mentioned that because, again, you know you know who also had this problem for, um, again, you know, problem finishing at the rim? Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. And Malik Monk did the weight training program. Malik Monk did it very similar. So Devontae just needs to holler at Malik Monk because I absolutely agree with you when it comes to the Devontae Graham thing. And essentially, if he develops that counter, he develops that floater game. And shoot, I would call his his old vet. If I'm Graham, I'd call his old vet, um, Tony Parker, and tell him, yo, look, teach me the floater. Teach me that floater that'll help preserve my body somewhat so I don't have to take as much contact. Because remember, Tony Parker's floater, we, we didn't see it that often in Charlotte, but we know how legitimate it was for quite a long time. So, I w- again, I think that's it. He just needs to add the floater to his game, and I think he'll be he'll be just fine, and especially when you add the decision-making like you pointed out before. Yeah, and, and I get your point about Malik Monk. The thing about Malik compared to Devontae is Malik, by, Malik is by far more athletic, and yes. I think when he did add the poundage, I think he was athletic enough and could high and rise high enough to actually take some of that beating mid-flight and then adjust and hit. As I think, as you saw, he became one of the mm-hmm. best finishers, certainly at his size, um, in the NBA with the minimum amount of attempts 
um, that he had last year. But um, and, and that was something, again, that he, he changed the way that he played. And Sam Bassini even mentions about Monk um, from January 20th to his suspension on February 26th. Monk, uh, Monk averaged 17 points per game, shot 46% from the field, 35% from three from the line. So that's the reason why it was so hard to evaluate him because Monk had some up and down moments, but at the end, he was very good until at the very end, he gets suspended. So, you know, Malik, certainly not in this tier that we're talking about with PJ and Devante. Let's go to PJ's evaluation real quickly, Nada, before we kind of get into some of the other role players. You know, he does mention about PJ Washington, how he had a terrific first season. He says, quote, that should result in an all rookie team berth. He was ready to go physically from the jump, standing a strong 6'7", 230 with 7'3", wingspan that allows him to easily play the four. He said his jumper continues to make strides as he hit 37.4% from three. Defensively, he largely knew where to be and played his role well. He got better throughout the season, too. I think something the, that's something that um, we mentioned. It, it never looked like P.J. Washington was completely out of control, either, Nada. Like, yeah. you talk about a guy that just handled everything extremely well and in stride. P.J. Washington is the guy you think of when you just talk about guys that were not rocked in their rookie season. When he struggled, when he hit those walls, it was really just because his shot wasn't falling. But it wasn't because he would get in complete panic mode and not know what to do, whether it be offensively or defensively. He's got to get better at rebounding. I think that comes with more self-awareness. I think he will learn how to use his body because already he's proven that he has some real strong points in his strength with his body. But Sam Bassini says it, me and you have about it. I think everybody felt really good about what PJ Washington gave you this year and should absolutely get not only an all rookie team berth, but he should get a first all rookie team berth. Look, at this point, all PJ Washington should do from right now is just change his nickname to I told you so because he was the only one that believed in himself enough <laughs> to be first rookie all team because again, I was dead wrong about this. I know a lot of us were dead wrong about the selection because, again, like you said, he played so similarly to Miles, and then he just outplayed them all together. So the fact that he's done this very, very well, and like you said, the only issue he has is rebounding. He's the only guy. It's going to take a lot. Like I don't want to say he's untradeable, even though I did in the previous segment, but I would also say – he's the closest thing to untradeable on this roster. Yeah. He'd, he'd be the one guy that I would most like to not trade. Like it would be, you know, if, if you had, if you made me pick between Devonte and PJ, just because of the youth that PJ Washington is because he fits the modern NBA game as much as I would really not like to not part with Devonte. Uh, PJ is the number one answer. It's one a and one B, but one a it's PJ Washington. I would completely agree with you on that. So Sam Vecini also talks about, quote, who else on the roster could be relevant long term? He starts Mm -hmm. off with Terry Rozier. And it's interesting because Terry Rozier is someone that signed for that big contract. He got destroyed because of it. Actually Mm -hmm. put up some good shooting numbers. Now, those shooting numbers weren't strong enough. His play wasn't strong enough to have people 100% Rozier. He's still a pretty polarizing guy based on what the analytics showed on him this season. You know, still people think it's an awful contract that's virtually untradeable and he's still a bad player in the NBA. But I think what Terry Rozier showed that his catch and shoot ability is among the best thing he brings to an NBA team. And I think long-term, if Terry is going to be a part of this franchise, I think it looks a lot like being an offensive spark plug off of the bench. That could be his best role. So I think that's the best thing that he could offer long-term. Other than that, Nada, I don't know if he fits this bill of who else on the roster could be relevant long-term because by the time the Hornets are going to be good, 
then it's not going to be a guy in Terry Rozier that I think you would want to throw a lot of money at because his contract is going to be coming up in just, you know, two more seasons. And at that point, hell, this is a guy. Are you so he's not relevant all that long term to me. And maybe you could even say the same for a veteran like Cody Zeller. This is a youth movement. I don't know if Terry and Cody fit long term when we're trying to figure out if the Hornets are going to be good at the end of all of this. Yeah. I, like I agree with you on Terry. Like if it could, to me, like who else could be relevant on the roster when Sam asked that question, I feel like we need to create a second tier for that. And by that, I mean, legitimately the guys who you most feel, who you feel best about and the guys you don't, you're not really all that sure about because of the list, if I'm honest, Terry's on there, but Terry's like in the middle of that list and he's straddling the guys I'm not so sure about and the guys I am sure about. And if I'm honest, uh, if I'm also really, really honest, the only guy I really like, there's two guys off this entire list that I feel really, really good about being a part of this team long term. That's Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels. Everybody else is a question mark for me. Everybody else. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like, if you're going to talk about who do you know is going to be with the Hornets at the end of, I don't know, let's say two seasons from now, I think your best bets would certainly be Devontae and PJ. And then that's the only guys I feel comfortable saying that about. If I had to go with those other two guys you mentioned, Cody Martin to me is, I think, pretty significantly higher than where McDaniels is right now, just because the sample size wasn't there for McDaniels. But I like what he gave you in the small sample size that he played. Here's what Sam Bastini says about Cody Martin. He says, quote, Cody Martin is the next guy here I'm interested in as he had a terrific rookie season for a second round pick. His defensive pressure was solid. He took on tough wing assignments and is extremely engaged both on and off of the ball. And I think he showed you that offensively with his cuts was a a tremendous cutter. And I think he knew exactly when to do it was the beneficiary of doing that. Uh, Sam Bassini also mentioned, quote, he forces tougher shots than average wing defender and does a good job of fighting and disrupting dribble handoffs and screening actions. The next step is becoming more active and getting his hands on the ball. Martin only averaged about 2.4 deflections per 36 minutes, which was middle of the pack on the Hornets. And then he says on offense, uh, Martin is definitely still the multi-positional, multi-faceted player he was at Nevada, where he played point guard and was generally just a problem solver for them. A guy that is pretty versatile going maybe one through three. We know about the shooting. We've talked about it at nauseum. That needs to be something, a point of emphasis for him to work on this offseason. But as far as a decision maker goes, I think that a rel- there were some problem spots for him, but he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, is going to be a good decision maker, going to be a good facilitator going to work his ass off on the ball and off of the ball. Just as Sam said, it's why you have so much confidence in the guy, even if he is a second round pick um, who maybe didn't give you a ton of production, like as far as the traditional stat sheets uh, shows, but a, a lot of people really like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that there's a lot of me that really does like Cody Martin. I do think that he's going to be one of those guys that is, he's not going to be a starter, but again, I keep going back to the capsule and I think of Raja Bell. He can be that Raja Bell type that again, top seven rotation guy, you stick him on your best defender and go from there. And I really like what he does. I, and again, I just don't, again, with all this roster turnover, with all this clear cap sheet, with all the the things that they can do, I just don't feel comfortable putting too many guys in the future on this rebuild because, again, we're only in year one, you know? 
Yeah. And, and so it, it, Cody Martin is one of the most fascinating guys when it comes to who this first uh, round pick and even 32nd overall pick is going to be, because if it is a LaMelo or somebody that struggles with defense right now, then does Cody Martin just straight up beat him out for more playing time because Cody is giving you something defensively and he is a good playmaker. I mean, he's, he's not as good of a playmaker as LaMelo ball. You know, we're not going to get it twisted, but who sacrifices more at this point? You know, does, if you play LaMelo, are you willing to sacrifice that much defense? Or if you're playing Cody, are you willing to sacrifice the lack of playmaking that LaMelo would bring you? And I would say if you put everything on the scale, especially with the experience that Cody has, you would probably go with Cody because even LaMelo's shot isn't trustworthy enough right now to say he absolutely is going to be a better shooter than what Cody Martin is. I, and so that, that's going to be yeah, fascinating but, to me to see how they would handle that if LaMelo is the third overall pick or one of these other guys in the backcourt. Now, it's funny you mention that because, again, I think that, again, I think we have to start looking at this, this lineup, this starting lineup as – this is going to be a fluid situation for the next little bit, next few years, because you're going to have guys that develop and deserve the starting minutes and seeing what, what they can do. And you're going to see how much they can handle. So I can see a situation where if you draft a LaMelo ball, you draft an Anthony Edwards, I can see a scenario where they're not starting initially and they're coming off the bench, but they're getting big minutes and then they'll earn the right to close games and to start games. I am with, with all of this going on right now, I like again. I think that who starts and who finishes isn't going to matter. Again, who starts isn't going to matter. It's who gets the bulk of the minutes, sure. who gets the lion's share of the minutes. I think that's what's going to end up mattering more when it comes down to like year two, year three of this rebuild. Maybe I should articulate that a little better because it clearly is more about who finishes these games and who plays the bulk of the minutes. I get all of that. Like I, when I say, you know, I guess Bismack Biombo actually got his fair share of starts this season, but he still wasn't averaging a ton of minutes at the five. I think it was like somewhere around 20 minutes this season. I don't know if anybody would say Bismack is a starter for this Hornets team based on what you had from him last season. And we know about James Brego. He is not afraid to pull a massive move with the starting lineup and or guys that get majority majority of the uh, of the minutes um, at each of these spots that he might play. So, you know, Borrego certainly not going to, um, you know, hesitate on that front. Uh, real quickly, want to talk to you guys about Built Bar for, before we go into one last segment. Built Bar is a fantastic, delicious treat that you can have right after a workout. It's more like a dessert than what it is an energy bar, even though it does provide a lot of the same health benefits that um, that you would expect um, your energy bars to bring you. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, and the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and if you're on the keto diet, it's great for that as well. Have great flavors too, by the way. Peanut butter, coconut almond, cherry barcia, cookies and cream. It's all fantastic. And you get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off of your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On. It's all one word for $10 off at Bill.com. One more segment to go here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. You give me a new adjective, God, you're just messing this up. I, you know, I just I spend this some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the God. noun I was going to get. A plural noun! This isn't hard! It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
All right, Nada. Let's go ahead and end the Sam Vecini breakdown today. Yeah. I did want to ask you one other thing that I do also find to be a question worth paying attention to. Nada, the East is not good. And yes. I think we saw that's it's the reason that the Hornets get rid of their best player of all time in franchise history. And they only go down really one spot in the standings. Now they're not competing for a playoff spot this year, but to lose a Kimball Walker and then only go down one spot in the standings, one, it says that Devontae Graham improved at a crazy high level. Mm-hmm. It goes to show you that James Borrego did a good job. It goes to show you that they hit on their first round pick in PJ Washington. So the Hornets deserve credit for that rather than just banging on the East for how bad they are. But the East is still bad enough and they deserve to be, you know, not taken nearly as seriously as what the West is showing you right now. The reason I set it up like that, it is because I ask you the question that Sam asked later on in this article. He asked the question, quote, is this team close enough to the playoffs to try to make a splash? And that's exactly the point that he makes. I make just now. I guess the answer is that they're close to the playoffs because the team is in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. But does that mean they should make a real splash? In my opinion, they should stay the course, continue to try to find their next star and value flexibility as opposed to selling out to make the playoffs next year. If this was a team, not a, in the Charlotte Hornets, that decided, you know what? Because the East is there for the taking, at least with that eight or seven spot, I think we can make a couple of moves here and there and actually go towards the postseason. And if they make adjustments that would get them off course and now have a newfound goal in making the playoffs as soon as next year, I would be so angry at this team that I might quit them. Like, I I think that they are. I I understand. I understand. I mean, I think they are on such a good path right now where they're ju- they just seem to be making smarter decisions than they ever have really within the last 15 years or so. And because of that, I want them to continue the course and not rely on fool's gold, which is a possible playoff berth. Maybe they could. Like, you know, who knows? Like, maybe they could go after a couple of veterans, get better immediately, and then fight for that last spot. But one, it's absolutely no guarantee. And if they did do that, then it would be off of the course for what is the bigger picture. I I completely agree with Sam here. Do not even come close to that idea. Just continue to try to rebuild as much as you possibly can. Here's the thing. I'm not sure. Like, I think when we start thinking about all this stuff and when we start saying, should they make a run at the playoffs? The one thing I think that works in their favor, we're probably not going to have fans in these buildings for quite a while. Probably for from if not for most of the season, if not all of it. So if we're going to talk about you're not going to have people in these games and you're going to be playing these games in relative bubbles, if not at home in home bubbles at this point, then why would you try to push for something that fans are not going to be able to come and see anyway? Why would you do that? Yeah, that feels like hustling backwards to me, kind of quite honestly. And if you're going to hustle backwards then you know what? Then you've shown me that you haven't learned anything. And that's the way I'm, quite honestly, that's the way I look at this. This is an offseason where we get to see whether the front office and the ownership group has learned anything in these lessons about rushing and about not taking their time. Because I think you still have the perfect opportunity. This pandemic is now the perfect opportunity to extend your rebuild, potentially. Yeah, gather more assets, gather more more salary cap space. Go and do it that way because fans aren't going to be in the building anyway. Go do it that way, and by the time the building is ready to be open, possibly in 2022, then hey, here you go. 
here, here you go, fans. Come flock to the to, to Spectrum Center, and we have a product that's ready for you. That's not necessarily ready to compete for a championship, but for at least a, maybe an eight seed by then. <laughs> no, it's a good point to bring up. Like, it, yeah, it, it's not like you're actively trying to get as many fans as possible in the Spectrum Center because of the way that it might be altered because the pandemic will still be around us, you know, depending on when the season is going to start. You know, who knows? But again, it doesn't look like it's going away whenever the next season is going to start for the NBA. Now, not because I did not answer your phone call this weekend, I will allow you this space to talk about the list that you wanted to discuss and that you sent to me. And you said you wanted to yell a little bit. So, I will allow you to have the floor based on what you wanted to talk about. What is it? Why don't you share it with the listeners? So again, locked on Hernandez fan base. Again, y'all know I'm a pretty big rap fan. I'm from New York. And so Vulture, this this online magazine, very, very reputable writer, Stereo Williams, again, Naima Cochran, um, again, Craig Jenkins, a bunch of them. They did a whole top 100 New York rap songs that defined New York. And... Again, for the quality of writer that is at that Vulture magazine, I am disappointed. I saw Bobby Shmurda get a <laughs> top six spot in, again, we're talking all time New York rap. Mm-hmm. We're again, over, over there. Again, Walker, you were just as mad as me. Yes, Don't even I try was. and play like you, like, like you weren't mad. You were just as mad as me. Again, there was no shimmy shimmy ya in any of this. Where was ODB's shimmy shimmy ya, Walker? It wasn't on know. this list. I don't know. Bobby Shmurda did make it. God, he was like 14 or was he six? He was six. Yeah, six. Yeah. So, so when it comes down to some of the best hip hop songs to ever come out of New York, uh, the list goes Mob Deep, Shook Ones, Part 2. That came out in 95. That's the number one song. I have no problem with that. It's one of the best beats of all time. They came out with the message from Grandmaster Flash at number two. Of course, that's fine. That feels a lot like New York. So does Nas's New York State of Mind from one of the greatest albums. I think we're all cool to the top four and even Cream from Wu-Tang Clan coming out of the top five. And then to have Bobby Shmurda's uh, Hot You Know What come out as the number six overall spot. I Look, I love the dance. I, that music video is awesome. It's one of my favorite gifs to use when we celebrate something good that happened. If there's anything that's good happened, I will absolutely bring that gif out and tweet it or send a text message to anybody else that would get the reference. It doesn't mean that it should be number six on this list. And that is me being angry for you. Over public enemy, Walker. Mm-hmm. Over public enemy. Well, well not even over. that. Like, the bridge is over. I mean, yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be over. The bridge is over, which is a classic. Uh, I, Annie Up is too high, in my opinion, making a top 10 spot. Roxanne's Revenge is a classic, too. Uh, you know I love Tribe. Scenario comes in at 11. Flavor in Your Ear is fantastic. So, like, yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, if you were to ask me where that would have... If, if you were to ask me where Bobby Shmurda came up in this list... I would have given it a 100 spot. I think that's fine. That's but fair. my God, I would have probably said something even like in the backside of the top, uh, in the back 50 before I would go with the front 50. And here it is as number six. Look, I could be crazy naive. Like I, I didn't dive into it nearly as much to see the actual impact that Bobby Shmurda had, but I just was surprised to see it over some of the classics that we talked about. And that's my 50-year-old, 70-year-old take that I'm spewing on this podcast. Yes, 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 yes. At this point, like... I am, 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm devastated. I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's time to go get some food and let's go home, Walker. We'll talk to these people tomorrow. What you think? Uh, I think that sounds just fine with me. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to you guys for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.